at somebody and say, you're all that. I used to say in a big bag of chips, but then I got addicted. <laughs> and then I had a potato chip in about six weeks. I'm having withdrawal. But you are all that. That's, that's, that's what we need to know. And you need to know that whatever you think is going on in the world, it's going to backfire. <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be this, but it doesn't matter what you're thinking about. Just know that, you know, the the chains are falling. The victory's ours. Yeah. I had a guy come up to me one day and he said, I don't believe you should be singing that song about the chains falling because we've already been delivered. And so I pointed out 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, where the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to, to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imagination. So I said, you know, you... you you got to compare Scripture with Scripture. You just can't take something out of its context and say, it's already done. Yes, we're all, we're all complete in Him who's the head of all principality and power. We are right now. But but the, then there's the progression. Then there's the walking it out. <laughs> you know, even though everything has been done, I have a responsibility to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. i got to go through it. I don't want to go through it. You don't either. We just want bless, 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 and everything is good. And it is good. Turn to Psalm 8, please. Because you are all that. And a big bag of whatever. Salt and vinegar, Millie's chips. I don't know. Did I say that? Did I say that? <laughs> no, but God wants you to know you are all that. Religion wants you to think that you're nothing and you're nobody and you're inferior and you'll never amount to anything. You know, it's like tithes and offerings. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. You know, Cain and Abel, Cain got it messed up. He messed it up, and he was the first one. It's been messed up ever since. It's not about that. It's about, like Dana said, God's after your heart. Because he said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so, and, and so in order to be free, you have to be free of uh, fear over finances, free, fear, any kind of fear. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear. The opposite of faith. You know, you, like, you know, God said, I, he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. The eyes of my understanding. I think sometimes the eyes of my understanding are my ears. <laughs> because what I hear is what I begin to visualize, what I begin to see. And if I keep hearing the word of God, I don't see all the... If you're still watching the news, I... Pray for you. I really pray for you. If you don't know that it's propaganda now, you know, America lost 20% of its churches in the past year. Gone. It's gone. Because of fear. In the beginning was the word. You don't never shut the word off. Not for any reason, any time. The entrance of his word brings light, not the entrance of the news media. Okay, Gary, don't get going. Okay. Put that over there. I need you to go to Psalm 8. Because we sang about Psalm 8 today. 
Verse 4, it says, what is a man? This is what an angel asked. The angels were discussing you, and they said, what is a man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of a man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little lower than angels. If, you, if it says angels, look it up in your concordance. It's Elohim, a little lower than God. Translators got scared when they saw it. Made a little lower than God by creation. But look at this. But you've crowned him. That word crowned is the word attire. And it means surrounded. We sang it this morning. We sang it. Surrounded, surrounded by him. Surrounded with glory and honor. Adam and Eve were not naked in the garden. They were surrounded with glory and honor. And when they fell in the glory and the honor left, they were exposed to their own nakedness, to their own strength. And now instead of revelation knowledge, they get, need information. They need education. And Satan made sure they got one. But when you think about how he educated people, it took them nine, over 900 years to kill them, to convince them that they... How long is it going to take them to kill you? See, you're crowned with glory and honor. Well, let's read this. Let's read a little further. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and placed all things under his feet. Now, you might say to me, well, he's talking about Jesus. I was hoping you would think that. So that we go to Hebrews chapter 2. was a setup. He's talking about you. How long did it take the devil to make you to convince you that you're that you're not all that? Started when you were a little child. Performing to get recognition. Thinking that's a godly thing. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with encouraging children, but I'm thinking that the, the whole system is set up to... Um, well, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 and, we'll, and verse 6. So we just read Psalm 8 and verse 6. Now we're going to read uh, Hebrews 2 and verse 6. Talking about angels. And there was one certain, uh, one angel in a certain place said, what is, the, what is a man... Or the son of a man that you would visit him. What, what, why are you paying so much attention to this man? You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that would not be put under him, but now we don't see it all happening yet. See that? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. Now he's the firstborn among many brethren. If he's the firstborn, then somewhere along there, you're born. Somewhere on that list, your name is there. If you read through the book of Numbers, you didn't find it. That's because we got tired of reading the book of Numbers. <laughs> Crowned him with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Okay, so, so we got that part. But now verse 10. 
for it became him whom all things and by whom are all things to bring many sons. What? So what's his goal for your life? To bring you to glory. And then it talks about the captain of our salvation being made perfect through suffering. But he didn't suffer sickness and disease or any of those things until he was on the cross. What he suffered was the same thing that you suffer, being tempted, being tried. Temptation is not a sin. Did you know that? Temptation is not a sin. That you would perfect, that, that the captive of their salvation would finish or perfect. Hallelujah. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. With that in mind, let's go back to Peter. No, 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 don't go, go to Peter. Go to Luke because we talked about Peter on Thursday night and we want to revisit his life. And we know in Matthew 16, 16, I think it's 16, 16 to 18, that Peter got a revelation of who Jesus was. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. See, that's the difference between head knowledge and revelation knowledge. He got a revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. And then Jesus said, upon this rock, upon the revelation knowledge that I'm the Messiah, upon revelation knowledge, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then, of course, he changed his name to Petros, uh, which means a chip off the old block. We could say it that way. We could say it rocky. He wasn't the rock, but he was rocky. So it's better than Simon, Simon, because Simon, it, it's like a reed shaken in. Simon, my, my definition is flaky. So when he addresses him over here in uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, he says, flaky, flaky, behold, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But the cool thing is he said his name twice, which, in, which indicates that he's still in covenant. Still got a covenant with God. But, but he's going to operate in his flesh big time here. He said, flaky, flaky. <laughs> Satan has desired to sift you. And if you notice, there's words in there in italics. What's, what really the Lord was saying was, Satan has desired to sift all of you. To see if what you say is what you believe and what you say is true. And so, so how many of you know you've been, how many of you have never been sifted? Would you come and pray for me? I want that anointing in my life. Never had a trial. Never had a struggle. Never stepped out of one position and into another position. Never had to go through the hallway. Never got into the middle of the storm and got wiped out. None of that. I think the cool thing about some of those storms is like, in one of those storms, the Bible says that when Jesus walked on the water, Moses could only part it, but Jesus walked on it. <laughs> it says immediately they were on the other side. Like, that's the fastest boat ride in history. I like to get on on that. A set of water skis, can you imagine? <laughs> Scary on one leg. Yeah. But God's fun. Amen. <laughs> so, Simon, Simon, flaky, flaky, God, Satanist desire to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. 
so that when, not if, when you are converted, because when he prays for you, he gets, how many of you know he, how many of you know he answers his own prayers? <laughs> he ever lives to make intercession for you. You got somebody praying for you right now. Jesus is praying for you right now. Ever lives. That's his assignment now to pray for you. He said, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. And of course, we know Peter's response. He said, oh, you don't have to worry about it. Come on. No, but, but, you know, you talk about pride comes before a fall. How many of you have never experienced pride in your life? He, he said, hey, you don't have to worry about me, Jesus. Not only will I go to jail, for, I'll, go, I'll, I'll die with you if I have to. Like, you don't need to be concerned about me. And so, so this was his problem. It was eye, he had eye trouble. If he had responded the way that we're supposed to respond, oh, thank you, Jesus, I know that without you I can do nothing. I can't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not independent. I grew to be independent, but now I'm totally dependent. I've <laughs> been totally dependent on you. I believe independence is a thing that you grow into, but it's, the next step is interdependence. It's, you gotta get, you know, you got to get past, I can do it on my own because you can't. So then, but I mean, if you compare Peter with Judas, Judas, Judas felt sorry because he got caught. Peter repented because he, he knew he was wrong. Big difference. Being sorry is not repentance. Repentance is you go and change your attitude and change your direction. So um, anyway, let's drop down to verse um, 60. One. We know that he denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And, and of course, Peter just dismissed that. But when, when the cock crowed, it says in verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked on Peter. What a sad thing to think in one sense. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, but what a great thing to think about what Peter saw. He, he didn't, you know, he is the, he's the king of the kingdom, but he doesn't come to, to rule over you. He'll come to deliver you from, like the leper in Matthew chapter 8. <laughs> he didn't come to condemn the leper. He came to set the leper free. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. This is what the king said, to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the, of the Lord. Ephesians chapter, Romans 5.1, you've been accepted, no, 5.6 rather, you've been accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the what? Yeah, being loved. Be loved, being loved. I am being loved by God all the time. Amen. So it says that he went out and he wept bitterly now that he had gotten out of the way. But really what I see here is I see 2 Corinthians 3.18. You know, it talks about Moses and Moses had to put a veil over his face. And, but then it talks about us being changed from glory to glory with faces unveiled. And in order for me to move from one glory to another, I have to have my face unveiled. I serve a God that knows everything about me. So I've got nothing to hide. 
I don't have to hide my ugly parts. He knows everything about me. He knows the hairs in my head, and they're numbered. So why am I trying to hide in the corner when things aren't going right? He knows. I read Psalm 139 and verse 7. David said, it doesn't matter where I go. You're there. I can't get away from your presence. But who wants to? Somebody that loves you that much? No, no. No, we're growing. It's a progression from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. It's a progression. You'll be changed from glory to glory to glory to glory into his image and into his likeness. But the way that you have to do it, according to 2 Corinthians 3.18, is have your face unveiled. You can't be doing the cover-up. Just open before him. Then, oh, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be your best friend. Show me how to be your friend, God. I know I need to be your friend. I need to walk with you and talk with you, not just on Sunday or Thursday, but I want you with me. Every morning when I wake up and every night when I go to bed, I want to be learn how to, you know, sometimes we get up in the front, like last Sunday, it was so, or maybe it was Thursday, maybe it was both, it was so heavy and weighty up here that if you walked across the front, you felt like you were underwater almost. It was his presence. But I realized that I don't have to wait. to be here, like I don't have to be, wait to be here to be un, in that awesome praise and worship. I I need to get that thing started at home, where home is where I really need to be in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And he wants to hang out with me all day long. Read James chapter 4. Read it real slow. Read it in the Greek. It says he's boils over with jealousy, not wanting to share you. Calls you an adulteress if you don't hang around with him. You're cheating on me. <laughs> no, that's love. That's not a, you, you take it as something ugly now. When you understand that God is love, you read this and, and you receive love from it. You don't receive anything but love and correction and direction. Hallelujah. Why? Because you, you were given everything as a child that you needed to be an adult. But then you had to what? Grow into it. And so you're growing from glory to glory into the what? But where are you going? Into the very image of Jesus, Corinthians 3.18 says. You might not look at it on the outside, like it on the outside, but you're an embryo, and, and you're in a, some kind of embryonic stage of your life right now. How fast you grow is how much you eat, how much you exercise. Like you can, you can help by feeding on the Word of God every day. Yeah. So he said, when you're converted, strengthen the brother, brethren. Peter went out in verse 62 and wept bitterly. But that was the end of Peter. In the beginning of Christ in me, the hope of glory. But let's go to Acts chapter 1, because God told him, Jesus told him, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. He didn't wait long. No, he didn't. He, look, at, look at verse uh, uh, 15. One of the disciples was missing. Judas was gone, so... Peter took it upon himself. The Bible says Peter stood up amongst the brethren. And this is what happens after you fall. Stand up. 
Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, though I fall, I shall arise, Micah said. Get back up. Why? Because you're destined for the glory of God. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 14. Look at this. And Peter, Peter, with the group, stood up and lifted up his voice and began to preach a message that 3,000 people got born again that day. And again, this is what I'm realizing about somebody that's carrying the glory. Peter, because of what he went because because of what he went through, he began to be a carrier of the glory. See, it's not just enough to be restored back to glory; it's to be to begin to carry it to the world out there. And so, God has called you. And before the end of the morning message, you'll find out that He called you individually, that you were born into this time, and you were born for the purpose of carrying the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You don't sound very sure, but that's okay. <laughs> and we know what he preached. He preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And some people said it wasn't for everybody, but he'll tell you in verse, in verse um, 39. But this promise is for you and your children and all that are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian. Well, now let's go to chapter, we'll just go to chapter 5. Seems right to me. Verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders worked among the people. They were all in one accord at Solomon's ports. That's where the word was taught. And the rest did no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. Believers were more added unto the Lord, multitudes of men and women, insomuch as they brought forth the sick into the streets laying on, on beds and coaches, less by the, just the shadow. What's he talking about? He's talking about Peter being surrounded by the glory to the point where if you got within the shadow's distance of him, you, you the six-foot distancing? No, the six-foot distancing that they're trying to keep you apart? That, that wasn't an accidental number either, you know, six, six, six. Anyway, so we don't get into that. Well, yeah, you will. No, but this is a result of an unveiled heart. And so, look at this. He said, less by the shadow of one of the, of, I say it this way when I pray, Let, less by the shadow of one of us might overshadow some of them. And then they brought them out in beds and coaches. And look, look, this is the end time harvest of souls. This is what it is looking like. They'll bring the sick into the streets. Don't tell me it hasn't been done before. Amy Simple McPherson, last couple of messages that she preached in Los Angeles, 30,000 people, they were passing stretchers over the top of the crowd to get them down in front of her because she was a carrier of the glory. Was she special? No, God's no respecter of persons. God, God wants to use you the exact same way. Can you prove it? Yeah, we're going to do that today. That's what we're working on right now. So. But remove the veil. Make sure you get an un... This is the reward of an unveiled heart. They bring the sick into the streets, lay them on beds and coasts, left by the shadow of Peter might overshadow them. They come from a multitude of the cities around about where you're ministering, bringing the sick, those that are vexed with unclean spirits, and they are healed. How many? Everyone. So this is talking about Peter, and let's go to Peter chapter 1. Verse 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll pick it up in verse 3. They're all good verses, but verse 3, we'll start. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, refathered us, we could say it that way, to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved for, in heaven for you. But now, it says in verse 5, but you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation that's ready to be revealed, revealed when? And how many of you have figured that this might be the last time? How many of you figured that we might have 10 or 20 more years? Regardless, wherein you look at, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Wherein I greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, I'm in heaviness through manifold <laughs> temptations, tests, and trials. Why? But the trial of my faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise. Look, here we go again the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. And though now yet believing you, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and you produce the glory. Joy unspeakable will produce the glory. If you get happy, if you don't make the decision to just get Happy. You do, you do have a choice. You can either look down at the mud or look up at the stars. And if you're looking down at the mud, you're not going to be real happy. But if you're looking up at the stars, you might enjoy it. No, but, but, if, but if I'm not happy, all I have to do is say, what am I focusing on right now? And change what I'm looking at. It's, it's like, why is it so complicated? Sit around and... No. Slap yourself. Slap yourself hard and say, you need to wake up, boy, girl. Having not seen you love, <laughs> though, you, you, though you don't see him, you believe, and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and fall of glory. Hallelujah. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 is really good. It's hard to just pick out verses when they're all so rich, right? How about verse 12 of chapter 4? Beloved, so he's talking to you. Why is all this happening to me? Maybe God doesn't like me. I know he loves everybody else, but I really tick him off. Beloved, so that's, he tells you that to, in, to introduce to what he's going to say next. Beloved, don't think it's strange, considering the fiery trial which is to try you, some strange thing has happened to you. What am I supposed to do then when I'm in trial? But rejoice, insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, look at this, you shall be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of the glory of God is Resting on you right now. <whistles> Hallelujah. Somebody ought to get happy about that. 
I don't know if we go to Romans 8 or John 16 or, no, let's go to Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, because we're real close by here. Get back a few pages, I think. Oh, wow. Chapter 2 is really something that will tell you what's going on in the government right now, but we don't want to get into that right now either. But, but look at that. Wow. A strong delusion. Anyway, pick it up in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Whenever you read that little beloved, remember it's being loved. Being loved by God, it's, it's always present tense, being loved of the Lord. Because God has from the beginning chosen, okay, wait now, who has he chosen? So you, you need to say me, right? You need to put me in there. Chosen me to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief in the truth. And then he called me and I answered the phone. He called me by the gospel to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So every one of you in here, everyone under the sound of my voice, everybody watching live stream, God has called you to obtain the glory so that when you walk down the street, just like Peter walked down the street, people will be healed and man manifestations of his spirit. See, we talk about uh, um, Exodus thirty-three eighteen. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. But then the next verse, the next verse is the Lord said, okay, I'm going to show you my kindness. I, I, like, I'm going to show you, you know, and the word kabod is heavy and weighty. It's like, you know, when the Lord talks about cursing somebody, it's, it's, it's lightly esteemed. Like, like when he, you know, he said, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. What he's saying is those that curse you, I'll lightly esteem. It's like, I'll, I'll wipe the mist off the mirror so that I can see. It, it, but, but kabod means heavy and weighty. It's like, he said, I'm going to lay, I'm going to, I'm going to lay some heavy on you. <sighs> No, I'm going to give you weight. Your words will count. You, you, when you show up, things will change because you've got my weight upon you. You're carrying the authority of God Almighty. Made him a little lower the, than the angels by creation, but placed him over the work of your hands. Let them have dominion. Think about it. Again, in Genesis 1:26 through 28, God created, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them have what? Dominion. What's dominion? To dominate your environment. Not to dominate one another, but, but, to be, but to be taking charge of everything that's going on. Like we think that those two or three hundred people in Ottawa have the power. They don't. You do. There's more power in this room than there is in all those guys put together. But we, but we don't act on it. And then when we do act on it, we don't see a change. We think there's something wrong. No, no. You, you, things always begin in the spirit realm. It's very easy when you read the book of Daniel and you're reading through Daniel and uh, Daniel's praying for 21 days. And it takes um, uh, Gabriel, the archangel, you know, 21 days to get through. But when he comes, he said, we, your prayer was heard the day you prayed it. But he said, I had to fight the Medes. That was the Medo-Persian Empire. But the empire, like you think Justin Trudeau is the problem? No, it's the spirits that are over him right. and that whole situation it's the, the, the spirits that are pulling the strings, right? But when you pray and, and you don't see the change, 
It took 21 days for Gable to get through. Then, then he said when he was leaving, he said, I had to fight the Prince of Mede, I think, is, is how he said it, or the Prince of Persia, maybe, Medo-Persian Empire. But he said, then next I'm going to fight the Grecians. And that was, that was years before Alexander the Great was going to come and conquer. So things always begin in the spirit realm. And when you know that they begin in the spirit realm, just because you pray and you didn't see a sudden change, I mean, all the prophets prophesied over back in, you know, November, December, January, and everybody said, what happened with the prophets? Well, my Bible says Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need to do warfare over these prophecies or they won't come to pass. Don't you know that you changed the course of history? I, one preacher calls his church, I think it's Creflo calls his church history makers or somebody like that. And you are. You're thinking, well, I just work at this. No, that's, that's your occupation. You're not your occupation. You're beloved, man. You're, you're, you're the one that called to obtain the glory, to stand up and make a difference and to begin to see yourself in a better light than you've been seeing yourself. You're not under the circumstances. You're ruling and reigning in life by one Christ Jesus coming to obtain the glory. Do we dare go to Romans 8? No, I think we'll go to John 16 first. Hallelujah. God wants you to know. You got to believe this in order to achieve this. But we, it's, I think it's partly, you know, the world we live in too. Instant everything, drive through mentality. You know, serving a decaf God when you're an Americano drinking Christian. Right? It's not in a hurry. Haven't you noticed that much yet? <laughs> give me patience. Give it to me right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. See, but God has a plan. He has a plan, and he is working it out. And my Bible says in Hebrews 1.13 and 10.13 that he sits in the heavens, expecting his enemies to be his footstool. As far as he's concerned, it's already done. And as far as we're concerned, it's already done. No, but when you begin to imagine, you know, your imagination, the devil uses it against you, but God gave it to you for creation. Matter of fact, over in Genesis chapter 10, he said when they started to build that Tower of Babel, he said, I got to confound their languages because whatever they can imagine, they can accomplish. And so you take that imagination and you see yourself, you know, See yourself. Don't see yourself as the woman with the issue of blood trying to touch the hem of the garment anymore. Get past that. See yourself as the one walking down the road and somebody wants to touch you. Yeah, but I still get issues. You're going to have those till Jesus comes. We're not talking about your issues. Smith Wigglesworth touched the world and he'll raise 22 people from the dead, documented, and he would go to bed and bleed. fighting it in his own body. You can't wait until you reach some kind of perfection to do anything for God. Peter just finished denying Jesus three times, cursed him in front of a crowd of people, and he stood up among the brethren, said, hey, I got something to say. Hallelujah, I'm the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. He forgives all of my iniquities, heals all of my diseases, delivers my life from destruction and crowns me, surrounds me 
with the glory of God. Mm. You're surrounded, but it's not by the enemy. I love that song. I said, God, I should get up and preach right now. This is what I want to talk about. Adam and Eve were clothed in the glory, and he came to restore us back to glory. You can actually get to a place. Is that possible? Of course it's possible. To him that believes all things are possible. According to your faith, be it unto you. He said, I want you to use your imagination to see yourself healing the sick, to see, your, to see thousands of people coming to your boring message. No, no, one time I was watching Reinhard Bonnke. He was in Africa. Why does God take a German to Africa? I don't know. But anyway, he took Reinhard Bonnke to Africa. And Reinhard's up preaching, and a, a wave, just the people, like, the, you know, when there's a hundred, couple of hundred thousand people, they look like wheat. And the wind blew from the right to the left, but it wasn't the wind, it was the Holy Ghost. And everybody fell out in the spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And they interviewed him afterwards and said, what was that, Reinhardt? He said, that was God interrupting my boring sermon. <laughs> no, but we've got evidence of that in Acts chapter 10. You know, Peter began to preach. He said, you know, talking about how God, you know, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God is with you. And then it says that while he yet spake, the Holy Ghost came whew, moving in there, and they began to speak with other tongues. God interrupted his message. It's not about, it's about, it's about, it's about yeah, hallelujah. Interesting thing about that, too, in, in Acts chapter 10. Two things talk to God. Your prayers and your arms have come up before me. An unsaved man, but it was prayers in his arms. His prayers and his giving got God's attention. So, so you know, but, but again, you want God's attention? There's a couple things you can do right now. <laughs> no, no, but wouldn't you like to shock him? Like the centurion? Oh, I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. Like, wouldn't you like to shock him with a big, a big offering sometime? I'm not saying that because I'm going to take up an offering later and I'm trying to manipulate you. I'm saying, wouldn't it be really cool if you were that financially free that you could take a whole paycheck and say, that's it, I'm done. Shock them. Hallelujah. No, Mark Hankins did that, and he said, now $50 million later, people have trouble with his prosperity. No, no, you don't talk about his harvest until you know his seed. Yeah. That guy's one of the givenest guys I ever met in my life. He'll shock you. Anyway, uh, 16, is that where we were going? I think it's interesting about these glasses, too. I've had them for months, and I wasn't wearing them. And I wore them yesterday while I was studying, and now I'm wearing them today. But I can see. There's a sermon in that, too. I want 16, but I'm making sure there's nothing in 14 we have to miss. Yeah, well, how about uh, chapter 14, verse 16? And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter that shall abide with you forever. Now, this is, this is him living in you. But in Luke 24, 49, he said, Tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. That word in duo means to be clothed upon. 
something that you're wearing, like the mantle of, of Elijah or something like that. He said, tarry until you're, until you're clothed in power. You receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me. So there is, a, there is the infilling, but there's also the endowment, the power. He said, I'm going to send the comforter today, and he may abide with you forever. In other words, in my absence, he'll do for you what I would do if I was with you. In my absence, he will do for you what I would do if I was with you. Verse 17, for he, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And then in verse 27, it says, he left me peace. Peace I leave with you. And, and then over in verse 11 of chapter 15, it says, I left you my joy. The, again, this is Romans 14, 17. My kingdom is not meat nor drink. It's not a physical thing, but I made you righteous according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I gave you my peace according to John 14, 27. And I gave you my joy according to 15, 11. And he said that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So we're going to know when we're, we're, when we're getting close to where we're going. Because a lot of people are going to start getting happy. If you're going to worry, worry the word. Turn the word on. Put your face in the book. Hallelujah. Verse 17 of chapter 15, he said, These are the, uh, this is what I command you that, you, that you love one another. It's, it's kind of like Moses came and gave Ten Commandments. And uh, he went up on the mountain and came back with Ten Commandments. Jesus went up on the mountain and gave us nine Beatitudes. But then he said, this, I'm going to add one more commandment, that you love one another. So he had his hand just like Moses had his. Hallelujah. The Beatitudes from the mountain. It's interesting, too, when you go over there. When you go to where the, he fed the 5,000 and where he, where, he, where he taught the Beatitudes, you can, I could talk like this without a microphone and you'd hear it way down by the lake. It's, that, it's almost like an amphitheater type sound. And so then when you turn to go from, from there to Capernaum, you got to walk by this place where there's a bunch of ledges and shelves and holes in the ground where the lepers would hide. And so then you realize when you read Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1 that that leper laid there and heard all of that. And we were there in the spring of the year and the lilies all over. The Lord is saying, consider the lilies. Solomon couldn't dress himself like, like, the, like this. And I love you more than and I, that, that, that guy that hadn't been touched in years. No human contact is the worst thing that anybody could ever experience. Worse than the leprosy. Jesus came down, reached out and touched them. I think it's interesting because leprosy was only healed uh, it, through the Old Testament. It was Naaman dipping in the Jordan River. And this guy. That's, but I mean, who came to heal? Who and leprosy is a type of sin, and who came to restore you back to glory? Amen. Okay, chapter sixteen, verse seven. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Comforter won't come. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he come, he'll reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
I love this next part of the verse because he said, of sin, not sins, but of sin, because they believe not on me. There's no other sin that can keep you out of heaven. It's the sin of unbelief. If you don't believe, you can't go. According to your faith, be it unto you. What about the unforgivable sin? Well, I read in Mark 5, 20, in Mark 11, 25, that if I don't forgive you, it's unforgivable. So, <laughs> come on, he said, if, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. Didn't he say that? Yeah. Oh, that's the unforgiveness sin sending you to hell. Well, it won't send you to hell, but you won't enjoy the journey. Holy Spirit wants to hang out with you. Here's the thing about hanging out with the Holy Ghost, is that he is the Holy Ghost. And when you hang around with the Holy Ghost, I can sense his presence with me, walking with me. I call it together, T-W-O, together, me and him. But if I get upset with my wife or something, all of a sudden, and so because we're walking together, it helps with the holiness thing because you don't want to do anything to grieve him. You're enjoying his presence so much that you don't want to do anything to grieve him. So it's not a bondage. You understand? It's not some religious act. No, it's like, I love you so much. I don't want to do anything to upset you. I, I don't want anything to disturb your day. What can I do to make your day better? You always make my day better. It's just a, a friendship. Uh, okay, we're going to dump all this right now and go to Romans. Or we might come back and face that. But Romans eight seven is interesting because it says, "Carnal mind is hostile." Carnal mind doesn't like things. Oh God, not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So that then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. Verse fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, I know one part of that is John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. But also know that the other part of that is, how can I, how can I be led by him if I don't have close friendship with him? If I don't spend time hanging out with him and getting to know him and his likes and his desires and what he likes and what he doesn't like. So I spend time with him. You spend time with him. And then you realize whatever you're doing, like I can get up here and talk to you, but I, I, went, I remember one time I got up without being prepared and I only lasted five minutes. But when I get up here and I know that he's going to speak through me, I can go. And I can tell when he gets grieved to when I get off on something political, right? You know, you preach the word and live your convictions. You don't preach your convictions. And so... So he wants he he is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. He really, he really wants you to, to to wake up to him and go to sleep to him. He wants to, you know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways. All of your ways. You're driving to work in your car. Shut that. Shut that. You, you know, you need to realize. I'm sure that you do. This is not political. This is spiritual. 
that the that that a plan was put in place so that everything that you watch on TV is shaping the way that you think, not just the news, everything coming out of Hollywood. They, they they'll they'll make you think that wrong is right, and they'll and and they'll they'll numb you down those things. But same thing with the music. If it's not God music, it's music that's shaping the way that you think. Oh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, you know, maybe not. I, I mean, I really like the blues, but I don't spend a lot of time listening to it because, because nobody loves me but my mother. Yeah. She's my sweet little thing. She's my pride and joy. <laughs> I'm a little lover boy. Come on. <laughs> Did we get to Romans 8 yet? Yeah, we did. Okay. (laughs) But a close fellowship, a friendship with God is how I'm going to be led by him. It's not going to come any other way. And so I'm spending my time doing that. And sometimes, like on Wednesday, I cried half the day. And, And again, I don't mean I was crying tears of sadness. I mean, he was correcting me. And when he corrects you, you don't get angry or you don't get ashamed or guilty. Say, wow, thanks for pointing that out. Thanks for pointing that out to me. I talked ugly about that pastor. And who am I to judge another man's servant? And not only did I talk ugly about him, but I shared it with Pastor Paul and some people. <laughs> you know, no, but if you're not spreading the good news, it's, again, it's Deuteronomy 30, 19. I set before you this day life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life. Choose the life stuff, because the cursing is the lightly esteemed stuff. You choose life. Amen. But let's drop down to verse 19 now, because if we think that we're waiting for a government to fix our situation, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says in verse 19 that all there is an earnest expectation in all of creation waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for us to get serious about obtaining the glory, waiting for us to not be so caught up in the cares of this life. We read Mark chapter 4. We love that where he said this is the parable that if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of the other parables. We read it and we say amen to it, but then we don't do it. Next thing you know, the cares of this world are choking out the seed, the word of God in your life. And you're so wrapped up in how you're going to make it through the next day instead of this is the day. Look, if you just learn this, this is the day the Lord has made. My only job today is to rejoice and be glad in it. My only job is Hebrews 4.11 to enter into his rest. Hallelujah. I don't have a lot of other stuff. And if I'm going to work, I'm going to go work as on to the Lord. And so I'm going to be the best guy on the job site. Not because I'm trying to perform and suck up to some boss. No, I'm saying, God, watch me go. I want you to trust me with more. So I'm going to be faithful with what I have right now. Amen. So all of creation is waiting, earnestly expecting a manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 21. Because the creation itself, or creature itself, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into, into what? <laughs> the glorious liberty of the who? The children of God. 
That word is doxa in its majesty, its excellence, its beauty, its power, its honor, its wealth, its royalty. And I say this about that life will really begin for you when you live to fulfill his purpose in your life. Until then, you're just existing. You make a decision, I'm going to fulfill his purpose in my life. That's what I'm living for. Verse 22, for we know that all the creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves. Verses 29 and 30. Verse 28, you can't pass 28 here. How about 26? Likewise, the Spirit himself helps our infirmities, for we don't know how, how we ought to pray. Well, if you're going to pray for a couple hours a day, I promise you, you're going to have to kick over into tongues because... You can't think of enough English stuff to talk about. And then lots of times I think prayer is just worry out loud. No, no, if it's not a faith prayer, he doesn't hear it. My Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please him. I must believe that he exists. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then if I go over to Philippians 4 and verse 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. So I can't come with an anxious prayer. Oh, we better pray over this right now. Oh, we better pray over this right now. Can you pray? Can you pray? Not until you calm down. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, not I'm uptight and out of sight, not I just suffered a drive-by wedgie, no. Calm. Anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, and make my request be made known unto you. And then I let, nobody else can do that, I let the peace of God rule in my heart. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful because I know that he heard me and I don't have to sweat the next prayer. And then he'll tell you, how am I going to do all this? For the things that are good, the word, just the word, pure, the word, virtuous, the word, praiseworthy, the word. He's telling, think on these things. He's telling you to think the book. Then he gets down to verse 11 and he says, Paul said, this is how I've learned to be content. Whether I abase, whether I abound, doesn't matter what's going on around me, I have learned to be content. Amen? We got that. Verse 28, verse 20, uh, 27. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession. Look, there it is again. The intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know. See, if you'll know this, all things work together for good to them. To who? To those that love God. To help them who are called according to his purpose. I love verses 29 and 30. For whom he did foreknow, it's already done. He did predestinate to be conformed into the. Why? What? What did he call me to be? Which means somebody has to die. The Garden of Gethsemane prayer is for people that want to consecrate themselves to the Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. Prayer of consecration. He predestinated that he might be the firstborn. I love this. The firstborn among many. 
For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. For this purpose was the sons of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. How God anointed Paul Wilson of Lawrencetown with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. He, it's, there's, there's no arrogance in saying that. That's just fact. How about how about second second or first John four seventeen? Isn't that where it says, "As he is, not as he's going to be, or as he was, as he is." So are we in this world? I know religion has a hard time with that, but God doesn't. God doesn't have a hard time with John chapter seventeen, making you equal with Him. He said that. He said that. We close over there. Oh, no, I need to read verse 30. Moreover, whom he did foreknow, him he called. Who he called, he also justified. Justified, again, you know that, what, what that means. Just as if I'd never screwed up. Justified. And whom he justified, what, what else did he do? See, in his mind, you're already the glorious church without spot and wrinkle washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's coming back for you, glorious church. But now let's go to John 17 and, and we'll close there. Or at least we'll circle the airport over there. No, this is too good to hurry through. Again, Second Thessalonians 2.14. Don't forget that verse. He called you to obtain the glory. He didn't call the pastor to obtain the glory. He called you to obtain the glory. You. You individually. That you could do what Peter did. That you could do... Those 12 disciples, do you know why they were who they were? Peter and John, sons of thunder. You don't call them sons of thunder because they're quiet, well-meaning people. They probably cursed the paint off the wall. No, no, they were. you got to get. Matthew was a tax collector, and the tax collectors took way too much money. Way too much. They would take what the Roman government required, and then they would take another 60 or 70% for themselves. They did it all the time. Read about you know, the, the, the guy that climbed the, the sycamore tree to see Jesus going by. What was his name? Yeah, read about him. He said, anybody that I stole from, I'll give back fourfold. Well, he's letting you know. He was the head chief guy. He was the chief. Tax collectors were hated so much, they were called publicans and sinners because the only girls that would hang out with them were prostitutes because no self-respecting Jewish girl was going to go anywhere near a tax collector. How about uh, Simon Zelotes? Zelotes means terrorist. He was probably fighting the Romans, blowing up bridges, doing whatever terrorists do. These were the people. These are the people in your neighborhood. That's me each day. That's who he had. But he chose them just like he chose Mary Mag of Magdala to see to be the first one born from the see him the first from the dead because he wanted you to know something. He wanted you to know that if you're going to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to anybody in the Old Testament and you'll be all right. Compare yourself to Paul the Apostle who murdered people and arrested people. Compare yourself to Peter who publicly denied Jesus three times. And realize that you can do that. You've been called to obtain the glory. John chapter 17. Hallelujah.
Verse 5, and I now, O Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had before the foundation of the world. Verse 13, and now I come unto you, and these things I speak into the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves, that they might not be suffering depression and looking for some new medication to get them through the day. Verse 20, he's going to let you know that you're qualified to carry the glory. Nevertheless, I, I don't pray for these alone, but for all those that believe according to their word. In other words, when you believe the gospel of John that John wrote, you're a carrier too. All those that believe on me because of your word, that they all may be one as we are the Father and me and I and thee, and they and one as us, that the world may believe that you have sent me and the glory that you gave me. I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world might know that as you sent me and have loved them, you have loved them. Look at that. You have loved them with the equal value that you love me. The same way that Jesus feels about that God, the father feels about Jesus. He feels that way about you. I said he feels that way about you. You. He feels that way about you. He made you equal with him. God the Father made you equal with Jesus the Son and called him the firstborn among, among you. You want to talk about many, brother? He's the firstborn among, but he's among you. He's the firstborn among you, sitting beside you, walking with you, among you, not lording it over you. Again, Mark 10, 45. He said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. And so what's my responsibility? According to Ephesians 5, 1, I'm supposed to mimic or mime him. If he's going to serve others, then I guess I, I found my calling. I'm to serve others and be free from self-serving and self-consumed. And what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? He's not there. Life ain't fair. How long you been here? They talk bad about me. Well, if they're talking bad about you, they'll leave me alone. So thank you. Amen. I pray they talk ugly about you all the time, so they'll leave me alone. No, but hey, but, but it's because what they say about you doesn't matter. What you say about you is what's important. Let them say what they want to say. You just remind yourself, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. All things work together for my good. We just read the verse. How about John 4, 4? Greater is he that is in me, that's in my circumstances, in my world, in my environment. All the negative negativity and people around me. Most people I know spent the last year in fear for something that never happened. They wasted a year. Wasted a year. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.